Hello, and welcome to Jag Bags, a discussion of all things pop culture. I'm Mike Byer. And I am Len Foot. And welcome to the Amnesia program. <laughs> We've got everyone in full possession of their faculties. And we're going to have a great recap episode. You're listening live from the home studios. <laughs> In Woodridge, Illinois, where the crowd is ready for recaps. We will be recapping the weeks, the week that was in the NFL, Bears, Browns, Chiefs, parody. What a week, what a season so far. The NBA has kicked off. We will have our thoughts on the first week and fearlessly predict uh, whose season is already over, might as well start tanking and get ready for Victor Wembayana or however you pronounce his name. Uh, MLB, it's been a crazy week, actually, in the playoffs, and the World Series is set. That was quick. Both uh, league championship series uh, were over like that. Uh, we'll talk uh, World Series uh, topics uh, plus our I recommend section, Len and I will recommend or complain about something to you, most likely a TV show, a record, an album, uh, or a book, or anything, a hairdo that we saw that we really liked. We'll recommend or um, uh, disparage it for you, the Lucky Jag Bags listeners. Diamond listeners are here in the studio. They're crowded above us. Looking down. No pushing. Yes, it's a really crowded up there. Uh, there were rumors that the all the Kardashians were coming tonight. Secret fans. But um, that is neither confirmed nor denied. But there's a big crowd tonight. I'm sure just... Yeah, going. we're recording a day later. So I think there was a mix-up and too many tickets were given out. Could be. Could yeah. be. But Morgan's is up there. Mm. Ah, yeah. Good. Couple people have been ejected. Well, morgue is not so efficient. So as efficient. usual. Uh, and uh, our our uh, Jag Bags episode friend Bruce uh, Hollett is sighing, uh, is letting out a big sigh of relief now that Morg is no longer surveilling his home for now. <laughs> uh, never know when he will displease us, and uh, more surveillance will be required. Um, anyway, we'll do I recommend. Uh, we'll also review albums for you. I will recommend or I will review albums from Rolling Stones top 500 albums of all time. This list was first put out in 1983. Uh, I'm still reviewing it. Uh, and Len is going through his shape shifting morphing all-time top 500 list of all time. Um, he will have five albums for you. No truth to the rumor that um, Spyro Gyra has suddenly made an incredible entry into Land All Time. <laughs> uh, those are vicious rumors that will be debunked. Speaking of jazz, Len, you were... Uh, at a exciting, uh, amazing uh, event or place a couple hours ago. And uh, I got a uh, stern text from Regency, your agent, 
your elderly agent uh, saying uh, Len will lead off this show with um, his whereabouts of the afternoon. And I said, okay. actually, it was a couple hours ago, a couple hours. So early, so late, early evening. Around six o'clock. Yes. Had the fuel up for the podcast. Right. So me and the kids are out driving and, you know, we're on a main street. There's two left lanes. There's obviously an arrow to turn left. Right. The arrow is red. But the person in front of us just keeps going (laughs) until they realize, oh, it's red. Stops in the middle of the intersection. Reverses back. Not really in any lane, but we were out of their way, luckily. The license plate? Jazz 32. (laughs) Yet another warning to not associate yourself with jazz. All those people who did not want people to listen to jazz back then, they were correct. It distorts your mind. Make sure you ignore traffic signals. Wander into intersections randomly. Who was who was that uh, that old time thing warning uh, people of the jazz? Who uh, I forget who wrote that. Uh, <laughs> the jazz. The jazz. And so the license plate actually read jazz. J a z z. Thirty two. Yeah. Thirty two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Unless it was Carl Malone. Did he wear number thirty two for the Utah Jazz? I- I'm checking. I'm also googling right now who wore. Number 32 for the Utah, Carl Malone. Carl Malone, maybe it was, my apologies, it could have been Carl Malone. Carl Malone may be in Woodridge, Illinois. It could have been Carl Malone driving erratically. That, <laughs> that beats me and my Bobby Portis story. Yeah, it was bizarre. I'm like, is this guy not really? <laughs> and it was busy. It's six o'clock. There's a lot of cars. Like, where are you going? Jazz 32. <laughs> Malone is like, listen, I have uh, a lot of wood to chop down, and uh, and uh, so I'm I'm out here to uh, uh, check all that out. Uh, I I got nothing. It wasn't Carl Malone, like, isn't he like live out in the woods now and does supposedly? And... Yeah. Luckily, it didn't get in the way of me getting my protein shake. Good. My soothing herbal tea, so my voice is. Exquisite, it really is. That was the first and, thing. And my uh, carbo loading, so I have the energy to deliver the best podcast ever, as you always do. Yes. You are dedicated to your podcasting craft, and it shows up uh, in the number of diamond listeners and high fives from Meryl Streep, uh, and various compliments from Andy Avalos. Once your enemy. Now you're good. Friend. Oh, Andy Avalos is complimenting us now. He is. I think he's made his peace. Uh, I think his experience in court. Uh, I was just going to say Franklin Sampson. You don't want to be on the wrong end of Franklin Sampson. All credit goes to Franklin Sampson for the As Avalos know. turnaround. Yes. So, yeah, he now he he greets me at uh, uh, Brew Brew, my favorite coffee shop here in uh, the Avondale neighborhood. Um, he. Uh, He's constantly uh, uh, offering to run interference uh, for me, so I don't uh, uh, have too many uh, encounters with James Wade. Uh, Avalos uh, 
He says, I see myself as kind of a morgue type figure for you. And I was like, and I was like, well, Andy, you're very busy also giving the weather for uh, Channel 7. But uh, He's no morgue. Come on. Well, no one is. So we'll find a role for Andy. Uh, but uh, anyway, well, you know, I, I think that he was probably uh, your driver out in Woodridge just now was probably lost in his John Coltrane. Um, you know, the gentle side of John Coltrane. <laughs> lost Carl Malone. He was lost in a reverie. Yeah, I mean, it could be Carl Malone. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> I would have taken a picture of the car, but I was fearing for my life. He could be <laughs> he could be the president of the Carl Malone fan club. Could have been. Or the Woodridge chapter of the Carl Malone fan club. So if I ever see a Kobe 8 or Kobe 24, I'll beep the horn and say, hey, Landon Hudson. I was there, oh, look, Landon Hudson is here in Woodridge. Yeah. Or I miss Landon ever since he blocked me. You heard him, Beeve. I really did. Well, I was relentless. Yeah. I need a new target. You're a little relentless on Yakov Smirnoff, too. <laughs> Please. <laughs> I'm very complimentary of him. Please take a step back from poor Yakov. Uh, poor Yakov. Yakov loves to see my tweets where I, where I say, never stop mining those rich veins of comedy gold, Mr. Smirnoff. And people respond. <laughs> uh, I'll, uh, I'll take it under advisement. Yakov, Yakov likes what I do. We'll have to have him on. Ah, that'd be great if Yakov. What a funny uh, episode that would be. Yakov, please contact Regency. Yes, well, let's let's. We do know it. you listen to this podcast. Is fresh off his sold out run in Branson, Missouri. Yakov actually contacted Regency and said, "Oh, you guys finally acknowledge Uncle Tupelo on the podcast." So. <laughs> Not many people know that Yakov Smirnov is a huge. He's <laughs> a big Tupelo. He's a he's a Tupelo head. I think is what he calls himself. Blasts the Tupelo at his post show parties, and uh, before, and before those. It's like his uh, walk up music is what he calls it. <laughs> he's like crank up the Chickamauga. <laughs> <laughs> before I slay the audience, yeah, with my topical humor. Mm-hmm. Uh, I need to catch a Yakov uh, routine so that I can comment intelligently. I mean, he's no Shaquille O'Neal when it comes to hilarity, but he's not far behind. Um, <laughs> I was going to ask you if you've seen the new Epson commercials or the new Papa John's uh, commercials where Shaq. No, I have Shaq block on my TV. <laughs> he's playing four different characters. The range. Oh, amazing. The range. There's new Peter Shaq. Sellers. It's his most adventurous uh, comedy offering yet. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I, I think of you when I Is watch this another I recommend, Beam? <laughs> you just got a mini I recommend, Diamond Whispers. <laughs> I, I know. The, the standing ovation, you don't need to stand. Uh, you know, I, uh, Shaq appreciates it. Shaq knows what you um, All right. Enough silliness. That's. Let's talk NFL. Let's get to a uh, incredible, incredible victory. The Bears walk into Foxborough and not only beat the Patriots, but kick the stuffing out of them. 
That was a dominant Bears victory. Um, the disbelief was amazing. The look right. on Belichick's face the whole game. Delicious. Joe Buck and Aikman just stunned. Yep. And I'm not like once or twice a year, I have a feeling about a game and I should have, I should have posted. <laughs> I really, I'm not kidding. I did this a couple, well, a few years ago. I said that the Chiefs were going to beat the Patriots before the Chiefs were the Chiefs. And the Chiefs did win that game. Right. And I had the same feeling about this game. You know, not not like a rational thing, but just like, I think they're going to win. Mm-hmm. I should have posted. Yeah. Well, you'll but, know next but time. But when you look at when you look back at it, your gut. The New England was only three and three. They were treated, it was a three and three team against a two and four team, and they were acting like it was the Chiefs against the Texans or something. Right. No like, if the Patriots there. are so good, how come they're 500? Right. So I think they got a little overrated. And I think just kind of the way the Bears have lost to that commander's game that they should have won, mm-hmm. which was on the only game on that night. So everybody saw it, who was a football fan. I think that kind of affected how people expected this game to go. I think right. people thought it was going to be like a blowout where the bears didn't score any points. I think that probably the reason that um, people were so, um, you know, thought that the, uh, that the uh, Patriots were going to roll the bears was because they had stomped the lions and then the Browns two weeks before. And, and uh, this guy, Bailey Zappi all of a sudden was looking like maybe, you know, the next big thing. But um, the Bears defensively, absolutely, it didn't matter who the Patriots put out there. I mean, they couldn't get a thing going. Well, what happened to Zappi in the second half was they were knocking his passes down. Right. So that's maybe that's something they figured out, like just getting get in the lane yep. for him. And that, that worked because he didn't do anything in the second half because you thought, uh-oh, it's going to turn around here because he got two quick touchdowns. Right. But then in the second half, they did nothing. And on the flip side, the Bears were amazing on third down. They kept converting every third down. I know. And the best, did you see the highlights, Steve? I watched I watched the Bulls game last night, and I don't know why. I was just like, I th- probably because I didn't believe in the Bears. Right. And, uh, and I thought, oh, Bulls, Boston, this is a good test for the Bulls. You know, at home, let's see how they respond. So I was watching. Once the Bulls game ended, I flipped over to the Bears game. Oh, so you saw it like last five minutes or so? Yeah, I think I caught it like in the midway through the third. So I watched watched midway through the third until like midway through the fourth. Did you see the the pass to Herbert for the touchdown? Great. That was the best play of the game. That was incredible. Great. Fields had a guy in his face, avoided him, and then just kind of flipped it through that space. Yep. And then, you know, and then the rest was Herbert and the, I think it was, I forgot the offensive lineman, the rookie, just gave him a good block, touchdown. 
That yeah, was fantastic. Was awesome. That was fantastic. Yeah, agreed. And seeing the defense get three picks, because turnovers are so huge. Last year, the Bears had like didn't get any turnovers. And Brisker had a great pick. He had like a one. It was a bad pass, but he still had to get up there and grab it and pull it down with like one hand. Right. And then just getting it done at the end of the game. Yeah, absolutely. The other rookie gets to pick to clinch it, basically. And, yeah, it was (laughs) – you're kind of like stunned a little bit, and you're also really happy because – Maybe, maybe the Bears turn it around. You wonder if it's like taking a little bit of time for the Bears to like gel and like really like trust the uh, Aberflus. What I just was concepts like, you know, what I just texted Brian and Anthony about was I was thinking, okay, he has 10 days to prepare. And what do you do? Great game plan. Right. Defense was. Very good. Play calling was very good. So that, that shows me something. By far the best game of the season. By far. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they had an article in the paper, though, the day of, that Fields has played well in prime time. It's not, not the Commanders game, but a couple of the other Monday. Like last year on Monday night, he played great against the Steelers. I don't know if you remember that game. Mm-hmm. They ended up losing, but Fields had rallied him back. and. But the Steelers ended up winning with a field goal at the end or something. But I don't know. Maybe he likes the spotlight. Could be. It could be. Um, I, I, who knows? Who knows? But um, it was a it was a big time performance, and you know, you wonder if it's the beginning of something. Um, I mean, they really uh, like like I said, the uh, now the Bears. Um, well, they get Dallas. That's going to give them a lot of um, confidence against Dallas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because so. Dallas is, they're similar because Dallas's defense is really, I mean, it's the Patriots. Dallas's defense is really good, probably better than the Patriots, actually. But Dallas hasn't been great offensively. So if the Bears can kind of do the same thing, just kind of. Defense keeps them in the game, and then maybe the offense can hit a couple big plays. I've never been less impressed than uh, you know with a uh, you know a team that's atop the division as I am the Dallas Cowboys. I don't even know if are they on the top or are the Giants in top. Oh, the Giants. Is, I think Dallas is five and two, and the Giants are six and one. Somehow, you might be right. Yeah, you might be right. I don't know how the Giants are doing it. The point are, <laughs> it's, it says it all about this season when uh, you look and you see that probably the best, most exciting game of, of the week next week is Giants versus the Seahawks. Uh, yeah, two teams weren't supposed to be good. That just says it all about. Uh, and isn't this Seahawks quarterback Geno Smith? Yeah. another Geno guy. Smith, of all people. That's a guy you, you were like, is he still in the NFL? <laughs> exactly. Starting for a winning team. Exactly. Crazy. But just one, one more thing. I just want to talk a little bit about fields. I always think about Trubisky when I'm watching fields, though, because he did two Trubisky things, which are not compliments. 
Right. He threw a swing pass nowhere near his receiver. Mm-hmm. Like, how can you not complete a pass when the guy's like 10 feet away from you? Right. All you gotta do is just, you know, toss it right to him. And Trubisky would have the same problem though. He, he did that too. Mm-hmm. And then the other one was, and field played really well, but his other Trubisky moment was he had Mooney. Yeah, Trubisky moment. A, a bomb to Mooney where he, he could have given Mooney a chance to catch it. It was a one-on-one. Yeah. And he just threw a liner. That's what Trubisky would do. Yeah. But the difference is, and like field stats, you look at his stats and, and if you didn't watch the game, you're like, eh, especially quarterback rating, which is, I don't know, quarterback rating is kind of ridiculous. His quarterback rating was like 80-something, 80 83.5 or something. I'm like, he played really well. Like, so he's the quarterback, and he's the one making these big plays running, but you don't factor that into your quarterback rating? What does that go into, his running back rating? Don't you think they should adjust that? I'm like, if your quarterback gets all these first downs running, shouldn't that be – I mean, that's his quarterback play. I don't care if he's running. Do you know what I mean? You know what I mean, right? I agree. I agree with you. I mean, it's how effective he is at his position. That's not a 83.5 quarterback rating game. Right. The the Patriots couldn't control him. I've never understood how that quarterback rating works anyway. Yeah. It's kind of like – It's mainly just accuracy touchdowns big plays i guess yeah it's kind of like war in baseball right right. more and more i'm like you know you so you just made an argument that uh you know ian happ is better than kyle schwarber because happ has a higher war and i'm like well i don't agree with that and so but uh yeah quarterback rating i agree with you because fields was very effective and um you know and belichick actually said that before the game how it was tough to control fields and people were like, Oh, he's just saying that he doesn't really mean it. But I think he, maybe he was legitimately worried about it. Cause they couldn't maybe the, cause the Patriots, they had one guy play well mm-hmm. who got a lot of pressure. I think he had one and a half sacks. Judon, Matthew, uh, Ju- yeah, yeah. Judon, but Judon. The rest of your team didn't do much. He was the only one making plays for them. Right. So maybe they don't have enough speed to control a guy like Fields because he was – I felt like anytime you ran outside, he was getting getting there no problem. First Good down. Garbage, yeah. yeah. He was it also was, finding open guys, Fields, I thought. Yeah, St. Brown finally got some passes. Mm-hmm. And Komet made a big play. That was a great catch. You were you were watching when that happened? Yeah, that was a great catch. <laughs> Komet ran to the line like, come on, come on. I know they like he thought it wasn't <laughs> a legit catch, and maybe it was Belichick totally is like that's weird because you feel like he would, but maybe Belichick saw it and was like, "We're not challenging that." No, because it was he. He it caught it in bounds. He didn't yeah. juggle it or anything. It was a perfectly legit catch. It, you, so that was kind of funny. It was one of those you like looked at one replay and you're like, "I don't need to see anymore." Yep. Yep. And Mooney, Mooney had a nice game. So. Let's hope they keep it up against the Cowboys. Uh, should be a good game in Dallas. It's in Dallas, man. Oh, well. Um, and I think the Chiefs are off this week. 
I don't know. I think they are. I think they have the bye. Yeah, the Chiefs really played great. Yeah, the Chiefs, uh, once again, they're the team to beat. They dismantled. I don't know if they are. The Bills and the Chiefs, I think, are at the same level. Mm-hmm. Have you seen the Eagles play at all? I did. I saw them play one game. I forget who they were playing against, and I thought they looked very good. Yeah. Um, I'm reserving my judgments on the Eagles because I haven't seen them play. Who did I see them play? Against? But the Chiefs and the Bills both look really good. 49ers could not stop the Chiefs at all. Oh, it was Dallas. It was Dallas. Dallas. Yeah. And Dallas was kind of fighting back against them. And, um, you know, Dallas doesn't. Dallas's quarterback is that Cooper Rush. Well, oh, Prescott's back now, though. Oh, Pre- da- Pre- well, Prescott, Prescott played play against the Bears. Yeah. Prescott played their last game. And yeah, and he'll play against the Bears. Okay. But the Chiefs against. The 49ers, the Chiefs have more big plays this year than they did with Tyreek Hill because they're using everyone. It's mm-hmm. Kelsey. They they figured out uh, Hardman, who's super fast. They're just they're just getting him the ball like on these little pitches and stuff, and he's getting touchdowns or basically running plays. Sometimes they call it a pass, but it's basically just here, take it and run. Right. That's how they're using his speed. They're not using his speed like Tyreek Hill, or Tyreek Hill would just go deep all the time. And but every every guy in their team's doing things. And in the 49ers, again, they're supposed to be really good defense, and they they couldn't do anything. And Bosa, who's like their best defender, he kept looking up like, oh. <laughs> they fooled him a couple times, and they they really looked good. Um, they, uh, I mean, it's, that division is, remains theirs to lose. Yeah. I think they'll get the division. No problem. I don't know the, them and the bills. That'll be a good, I hope that they play again in the, well, they didn't play in, in the title game last year, but they played in the playoffs. But if those two meet up in the, for the Super Bowl, that'd be great. I can't imagine. I hope, I hope that happens. I can't imagine who else right now. I mean, those two are the class of the AFC. Yeah. Um, but but here come the Bengals again. Uh, I mean, they look great against they're the Falcons. They look good again. Yeah. So, yeah, they're lurking for sure. All right, before we forget, what happened with the Browns? Oh, you know, just typical, um, <laughs> you know, uh, get it, get really close at the end. Uh down, down uh, 23 to 20, force a fumble, get the ball with like three and a half minutes left. Uh, hey, we can win the game. They move smartly down the field. They throw, Brissett uh, connects with Amari Cooper. Touchdown, flag. They called Cooper for offensive pass interference. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Wow. But, um, this is like the story of the season. It's uh, so was that a, a bomb though? Because then they didn't even get close enough for a field goal. Oh well, what happened was uh, so offensive pass interference. They got moved back. Uh, fourth down. Here comes the rookie uh, Cade York, who's got the boom, huge boom leg. They spent a second round, third round draft choice on the guy. 
because he can apparently kick 60 yarders like they're nothing. Uh, he's lining up uh, for a field goal to tie the game, kicks it. It's good. False start oh, on God. the Browns. And that was like the offensive pass interference. I was like, I thought that was a BS call, but I guess I could kind of see it. Maybe. I don't know. The false start uh, penalty. I'm like, F you. <laughs> Just F Man, I didn't realize it was that brutal of a loss. That's like that's that's like uh, you know another brutal loss. So they mm. so they push him back. So now he's trying a sixty yarder, and the Ravens guy blocks it with his face. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mean to laugh, Pete, but man, he, the guy's like running. He doesn't even know where he is. The ball hits him right square in the face, and uh, they lose. So, so what's the Browns' record? Two and five. Two and five. They conceivably could be six and one if uh, like things had gone their way, you know? Um, so it's brutal. There's now um, people are sniping at each other in the, uh, on the defensive end, uh, Johnson, who I hate. Um, he's the, I think he's the free safety for the Browns. I think he is a hothead and does dumb things. Um, He's saying, yeah, yeah no, you talk about me and the basketball court. Oh, well, you're, I mean, you know, the, your disciplinary record speaks for itself. <laughs> um, yeah, he's complaining that maybe the young guys aren't putting in the work and doing the preparation needed for winning football. I'm like, oh, terrific. Um, the defense was actually pretty good. Um, that's been a um, sore point. I thought they played. I thought they largely kept Lamar Jackson in check. Um, they had this guy Gus Edwards back, and they couldn't stop him. Um, so I like the way the Browns fought back. They were down ten, and I thought, uh, you know, this is going to be a bad, another bad loss after New England. But they showed a they showed fight. I like Brissett. You know, this this bad record is no fault of Brissett's. Uh, I'm starting to get a little weary of Stefanski. I'm trying not to get down on him um, because I feel like I don't, I don't know that these are like coaching things. It's just like it's like that Cleveland bad juju. And I I feel now like Stefanski, like he kind of stares off into space like, <laughs> how are we going <laughs> to? But it is. It really feels like so many bad losses already this year. Bad losses. Where they're in it, and they just something happens at the end. All five. Well, the Patriots' loss was just a butt kicking, mm -hmm. uh, but the other four are like bad losses. Yeah, bad. So, but still got ten games left. Yeah, it's not like anybody is. There's there's so many teams in the middle. The Browns can get a little streak going. They could be in it. Well, they can get well in a hurry if they beat the Bengals on a Monday night game in Cleveland. Um, so uh, beating the Bengals would, uh, and they've always had great success against the Bengals. Burrow has never beaten the Browns. Um, really? Yeah. Wow. Uh, so, you know, if they kept that going, that would go a long way. You know, if they could pull out a, a Bears-Patriots because the Bengals most decidedly will be heavy favorites. Um, 
But that's the uh, NFL right now. I mean, Carolina. And Joe Buck will be like, I was sun tanning with Burrow before the game. <laughs> I was applying the lotion liberally to his shoulders. <laughs> Um, yeah, we're, we're in a season where Carolina is beating Tampa Bay. Uh, the commanders are now beating uh, Green Bay. Uh, suddenly, like the Jets are really good. Um, but even know, the Jets, they lost two of their best players, got hurt. Yeah. It's, it's going to be, I mean, I still think like Chiefs, Bills, one of them wins the Super Bowl. I think but so. They're they're by far the two. Might best. be like Chiefs. Or, might be just as simple as Chiefs or Bills against the Eagles in the Super Bowl. But but the rest of the playoff picture after those teams, who knows? Who, anything can happen. I feel like. Yeah, um, I could see like a team like getting hot in the second half of the season, like they just you know pick up some juju. They steam they steamroll into the playoffs. They get kind of a lower seed, but they're just firing on all cylinders and I could see them riding that all the way to the Super Bowl or whatever. I could, de- especially in the NFC because and that the- team is the Chicago bears. There you Thank go. you, Beav. Super Bowl MVP call Komet. I just called it. I just called it. David Montgomery will surpass Walter Payton in the minds of bears fans worldwide. Everybody likes Montgomery though. He's like a tough him. runner. He's tough. He gets the announcers were complimenting him last night. Uh, I mean, I like him. It's, <laughs> I think Aikman last night said Montgomery's whole career with the Bears, every time he goes into a hall, there's all these defenders <laughs> there. He's used to it. <laughs> Basically saying nobody blocks for him and he still gets his four yards. That line is. Ugh. That's a whole nother podcast. Uh, I mean, we should do a podcast on the Bears' offensive line. You know what, though they they they, they played okay yesterday. They, they okay. did. They did. They they don't really get penalties. Yeah, that's maybe one thing because I remember the guy on the Patriots, their offensive lineman. I think he had four penalties yesterday. So right. I was flashing back to remember Charles Leno. He used to get the worst penalties. It was always like in the fourth quarter when the Bears were down four. (laughs) Like automatic holding Leno. And Leno's like, he's still in the league. He's starting for somebody who the Bears just played. Maybe it was the commanders. But he was the king of the untimely penalty. (laughs) That doesn't seem to be happening as much with the Bears now. Which is a, which is kind of a coaching thing too. Again, maybe Eberflus has instilled the discipline needed. Maybe, maybe. Should we move on to the NBA? Let's do it. Uh, what's what's the Cavs' record now? Uh, they're two and one. Two and one. They beat the Wizards. They beat the Bulls. A great win. Destroyed and, the Bulls. They made every shot that game. Did you I watch mean, that game? Yeah, I, I I couldn't believe it. Um, they just looked the Cavs looked great. Um, and they lost to and without Darius Garland, that was the most uh impressive part. 
Is he coming back soon or? Yeah, he got poked in the eye. So um, they, they're like, you know, he can see it's nothing serious. Yeah. Um, but they they want to wait until the swelling goes down. I mean, the Raptors, that was a tough game, but they could have they could have won that game. Um, uh, they're, they're like the same level, those two teams, I feel like. Cavs and the Raptors? Yeah. Um, yeah, you know what? I, Mitchell is – I mean, Mitchell is uh, – I've always felt he's a little overrated just because of his playoff you know, failures with Utah. And I think Utah just got sick of him. I don't know. You know, two years ago in the bubble, he played great. Yeah. He lost to the Nuggets, but he played great that series. It was him and it was like him and Murray just getting impossible shots and the Nuggets just outlasted him. Yeah. I mean, we'll, uh, we'll see. I mean, he's, he, uh, not even LeBron scored 30 points, uh, in his, uh, First two uh, games uh, to start the season for the Cavs. Only Mitchell um, has done it. He's the he's the first guy in Cavs history to score more than thirty points in his first two games for the Cavs. Yeah. So I'm glad I didn't watch the Bulls Cavs game because, like, every guy in your team made shots. Like Kevin Love had five threes, I think. Right. It was. I looked at the box score. I'm like, did the Bulls cover anyone? I think the I think the they move the ball around real well, for sure. Yeah. Um, and that just a lights lights out shooting display. Well, I think that uh, you know I think that they um, took it to heart because well the Bulls are very Jekyll and Hyde I feel like um, they'll either look you know kind of a little bit lost or they look dominant. Um, well, it could be three and one because DeRozan missed a three against the Wizards that would have won it. Right. I didn't watch the game, though, so I didn't see how they played. The- Miami, they played great. Mm-hmm. You watched the game last night. Seems like they played great last night. And that's two teams they couldn't beat at all last year, the Celtics and the Heat. The Celtics came out last night and blitzed the Bulls. They were up like 19 or 20. And the Bulls looked lost again. I was like, oh, man. And then the Bulls on offense, and the Celtics have a great defense. Like Marcus Smart is the uh, defending defensive player of the year. And the Bulls, they just moved the ball. They moved the ball, and it was one of those um, where it's kind of like fundamentals, like, I feel like Vucevic and DeRozan and Ayu, they, they, it seems like they have like a greater familiarity with one another. Like they made it look simple, like, you know, throw the ball into the post. If you're double teamed, someone's open. Uh, maybe go back door. Um, you know, a quick move. To Again, defense react. the exact tactics I use when I'm posting up at Queen of Angels. Yes, um, exactly. And, uh, <laughs> and you also run down the court screaming, basketball is a simple game, you simpletons. Um, Sometimes, not always. Only, only in big moments. Only in big <laughs> moments. Like to tie the game or send it in overtime. But the Bulls... But I, like, oh, Iowa was 9 for 10. 
they just move the ball. And then, yeah, IU nine for 10. He knows that Celtics. Yeah. He knows that like, if, if your man leaves them, you know, get to your spot. Yeah. He was, he was wide open. And, uh, and once the Bulls figure that out, they just blitzed the Celtics. And the yeah, Celtics and didn't believe it. And the, the coach is getting ejected. And um, yeah. <laughs> Williams is getting ejected. That to be fair, there was a pretty big free throw disparity. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I, could, I, I get it why they were so mad. But um, I didn't feel like it was egregious. And the Celtics couldn't make shots, but they were. The, the, the Bulls play great defense. Um, what I read in the paper was that the bench came in and got got the rally going. Yep. Javante Green and Derek Jones. Jones that they all tough. just came off and, and played really well. Got the Bulls back in it. They're going to need those guys. Dragic. I like Dragic. I like that Vukovic. Vukovic, I feel, is playing bigger this year. He looked great. He's blocking more shots. He got 23 rebounds yesterday. That's crazy. He was attacking the offensive glass. Yeah. It's it's really good to see because that that was missing last year. They need him. Maybe he's healthy. I mean, he got he got his rebounds last year, but not like not like he's doing so far this year. I know it's early, but maybe he's playing with a little more uh, chip on his shoulder because he didn't play as well as he wanted to last year. They probably are like, hey, you got to be more aggressive and we're going to help you do that. And- and they're helping them out. I feel like that's what has to happen. It's going to be interesting with the Cavs once Garland gets back to see how these two coexist. Um, because Mitchell is a guy that, like, he's like, you know, our favorite player, Luca, who he likes to have the ball in his hand. <laughs> you know, it always yeah. goes back to Luca. <laughs> Luca. Yeah, I mean, but so, even even guys like Allen and Mobley, you think they're going to want the ball a little bit too, right? They got to figure out how Mobley. And who's the fifth starter? I always forget the fifth starter. Well, they they it's kind of like by committee, so they'll have Okoro in there. They'll have um, Karis Levert in there. Um, they'll have uh, Levert's a, a guy who likes to shoot the ball too. Levert. I feel like the action kind of stops when he gets the ball. Like he's an ISO kind of guy. Mm-hmm. The ball kind of, it moves and moves and moves and LeVert gets it. And he's like, okay, where am I going to go? Why so he's go? like you when you're like, I'll handle this. Hop on my back boys. <laughs> Which I also have been known to shout. Uh, at Enjoy our, my whirling dervish teammates. At our 45 plus uh, 5, 10 and under league. Um <laughs> yes. <laughs> um yeah, did you want to talk a little bit about uh the surprising uh Utah Jazz? Were you surprised by uh their their start? Yeah, it was well it's funny if we would record yesterday, the Jazz would have been undefeated. Right. The 76ers would have been winless and the Lakers would have been winless. Yeah. 76ers got their first win yesterday. And Utah lost to the lowly Houston Rockets. Although Utah is supposed to be lowly too, but they have like Markinen, Olenek, both played well their first three games. Yep. And I, I guess you forget, like th- these are NBA players. Yeah. 
I mean, they're they all are talented guys. Yep. The majority of them have to be super competitive because yeah, they don't like to. That's lose. how you make a living playing a professional sport. Yeah. So I I mean, if I'm one of these guys and I read, oh, Utah is going to be the worst team ever. I'm going to be like, all right, well, let's see what happens. They've got like, uh, like Sexton comes off the bench, which I was surprised to see. Yeah. And uh, so does they have, they also picked up Taylor Horton Tucker. Um, from yeah, the he Lakers. played pretty well for the Lakers. I, yeah. They like That's they a bad move them. for the Lakers. I don't know why they got rid of him. He was, he was one of their better bench guys last year. I, I know. Well, they've tried to put him in a starting role. And I think it was just too much for him. Mm-hmm. And then they were like, well, then he sucks. Get rid of him. And uh, which I think, you know, there's like a balance to be found. I thought that was a good pickup for Utah. Um, yeah. And Mike Conley is a good player. He really is. But if you look at their bench, I'm like, I don't know who any of these guys are. Because Clarkson, who used to be their sixth man, he starts now. I like Clarkson. And they Rudy Gay, who amazingly is still in the league. Um, Beasley, um, he's been around. Yeah, you're right. There's a, there's a, kind of a veteran team. And then Agbaji, who was the first round pick for the Cavs. I mean, he was like the 12th or 13th pick of the draft. And uh, he got a DNP the other night against New Orleans. Hmm. So, and he was all four years in college. So, You'd think he'd be like NBA ready. Yeah. Kind of interesting. Um, and not only have you, Utah has not only won three in a row, but they've beaten the Jazz or they've beaten the Nuggets, the Pelicans, and another uh, team favored to make the playoffs, uh, the Timberwolves. So the Timberwolves, though, they lost. They might have chemistry issues because they lost to San Antonio, who has no one. Yeah, in Minnesota, they lost to them yesterday. Yeah, the Spurs. they got Edwards, Towns, Gobert, and Russell, who are all really they're really good players, but maybe they're just not gelling. I know. Yeah, I know. Um, I think they'll get it together. I think the Timberwolves are too good. I think they're too good for that. Um, and their coach is really good. So what about the Sixers? What do you make of the Sixers? I, I, I've always uh, considered them to be very overrated. Again, that's another team. The Bulls could never beat them. Right. So I was kind of shocked that they – Lost their first three. Yeah. Well, they almost beat the Bucks. So yeah. I mean, that was a close game. I guess. I mean, it's really early. Yeah. They're another that's another team that lost to the Spurs. Break up the Spurs. <laughs> Popovich is doing his magic, huh? Unbelievable. Oh, they're three and one. Wow. Yeah. So that's yeah, a that surprise start. And again, be maybe, maybe some parody. Maybe Trailblazers undefeated as another not, surprise team. They're not supposed to be good. Nope. Wizards three and one. Yep. Not supposed to be good. Wizards got off to a good start last year and then faded. So we'll see. 
The problem, the Wizards, for some reason, Kuzma always plays well against the Bulls. Yeah. Um, they've got uh, Porzingis, too. Mm-hmm. Porzingis said, I refuse to play with that Slovenian <laughs> anymore. The Luca bashing never stops on Jag Bag. <laughs> I think the Diamond listeners come to expect it. <laughs> We have one of our diamond listeners in a Finney Smith jersey, sadly shaking his head. Saying, Beave, I'm recording all of this and sending uh, directly to Mr. Doncic. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't even notice what the, what are the, what's the Mavericks record so far? Uh, I think they're playing right now. And I think they, I didn't, I didn't see what their record was. One they and one. To, yeah, they lost to Phoenix, I think. They've only played two games, so. Yeah. The beave effect has not kicked in yet. Oh, the beave effect is in full effect. <laughs> but it's fun already. I'm really looking forward to this season. Nine two. Nine two. Should and don't forget to listen to our NBA preview we just posted. Just posted tonight. So well, by the time you hear it, it'll be a week old. But still go and listen to it uh, for the Luca bashing. Um, <laughs> just uh, alone. Um, All the expertise. Lots of expertise in that one. Check it out. Um, should we just uh, do MLB real quick? Yeah, what do you think? I, I mean, Bryce Harper really showed everybody something. Yeah. I mean, you have to be impressed with him. Uh, Schwarber played great, too. Yeah. Schwarber's um, just hitting monster homers now. I think yeah. the first, their first playoff series, he didn't do anything. Yep. But now he's caught fire. So they have him and Harper hitting big homers. Their pitching's been – Zach Wheeler's pitched really well. Wheeler was great. But the big question is, can their pitching hold down the Astros? Because the Astros are just loaded with hitters. You don't think so? I think the Astros look way too tough. So what's your prediction? I mean, really, the only thing the Phillies have going for them is that the Astros manager is Dusty Baker. <laughs> I asked somebody that. I said, or maybe I was thinking of asking somebody that. Maybe I'll post about it. How does Dusty Baker screw up? <laughs> I mean, he has an unblemished record of screwing things up in the biggest moments. He's got he's got three horrible ones, just off the top of my head. The up three two Giants against the angels that was bad weren't they up like five runs yeah they, game they, six they, they, unbelievable they lost that and game. just lost and blew it and then lost game seven yep and then there's the the cup series when it was uh well he, he managed the cubs for bartman right the next i think it was like the next year no was it the next year i think it was wasn't it well so the the bartman game and then the loss after that. And then the following season, the um, he was manager when uh, they lost that horrific game to the Mets. Yes. Um, they had that game sewn up. And um, but, the, but the other one I was thinking of was when he was managing the Nationals and the Cubs beat them. Unbelievable. And he was batting Murphy. Right. Sixth, and Murphy had a career average of a thousand against the Cubs. 
I thought and you had Jason Worth batting second, and Jason Worth didn't get any hits. I thought Scherzer. And was I was like, out, and that was the year after the Cubs won. But I was still like, we shouldn't beat this team, and we did. Yeah, I they thought Scherzer was gonna, more talented than we did that year. Yeah, I thought Scherzer was going to pop multiple blood vessels during that game. He was so <laughs> worried. Yeah, there's like a YouTube clip of like Scherzer's nightmare inning. <laughs> That's incredible. <laughs> That was incredible. Yeah, so Dusty's had a lot of rough ones. Don't forget, and speaking of the Nationals, and then don't forget, he was the manager, wasn't he the manager of the Astros when they lost to Soto and Strasburg and the Washington Nationals? Was it? Yeah, maybe. I think he was. What year was that? That was was pretty recently. Maybe 2019. I mean, this is his best shot because they look strong. You you would think the Astros have the advantage. They took the Yankees apart. The Yankees never, I felt, I, I felt like the Yankees were never in it. Even yeah. when Judge, I thought Judge was going to put them up in game three. He hit a shot to the wall, and I was like, oh, this is, uh, or maybe it was game two. I think it was game two, and uh, but he flied out to the wall because Boone was com- – maybe it was game one because Boone was complaining that they had kept the roof open and therefore letting wind into baseball and uh, denying his star player a home run. I was like, that's rich, Aaron Boone. I think really rich. I think Hinch was still managing in 2019. I know uh, Dusty has lost uh, World Series. Maybe, maybe they lost to. Um... Yeah, Hinch Hinch um, managed them 2019. Because then he got oh, last year. He got suspended after that. Oh, last year against Atlanta. Oh, that was Dusty. That was Dusty. Yeah, the Astros have been in it like. They're always the year they cheated. Now they're doomed to almost get there and lose now. I mean, they looked, uh, I don't know. If the Phillies win, I will consider it a major upset. I'm totally rooting for them. My prediction, Phillies in seven. I hope it's a great. MVP. I hope it's a great series. Yeah, it'd be nice. It kind of stinks that we have to wait so long because the see the ALCS and NLCS were so short. Yeah, and yeah, and it doesn't start till Friday, right? Um, yeah, you thought they would it would go the whole week, so their MLB's a little mad. Um, so second title for Schwarbs could Plus be. He'll get the World Series MVP. That's your call. Ironclad prediction, Dees. Oh, you, uh, uh, something else that Len feels. That the, now putting it out. I wouldn't say universe. that. But bet the house anyways. Why not? Okay. Why not? I'll bet the house. I'll call my bookie, uh, Torrance. And, uh, oh, Torrance. Yeah. yeah my bookie. Still, still your bookie? Torrance is my bookie. And uh, I'll give Torrance. Even after the years of chasing you for lack of payment? That's all been resolved. Thank you, Franklin Sampson. Oh, my gosh. Yes. He's a magician. Just don't push too far. 
Franklin oh. Sampson and Morg have gotten pretty close. Just a little warning to you. <laughs> oh, wow. You ain't like that. That's more than a little warning. That's like an outright threat <laughs> of surveillance. I'm just saying, do not take Franklin Sampson for granted, Beef. I think if James Wade fought Bo- uh, Morg, uh, that would be uh, a uh, an interesting fight. Franklin Sampson, who who doesn't he doesn't waste words usually. He said, "Tell Beef." Stop betting on the Milwaukee Brewers. <laughs> that was what he told me the other day. <laughs> Look, the Brewers were close. I felt it. <laughs> but since you've told me to bet the house, I'm instructing Torrance to do just that. Uh, just so you I'm know, the Diamond listeners are wondering why Beeve is wearing his Craig Council Brewers manager jersey. <laughs> this is why the ugly truth has come out. Well. I uh, it's it's a it was a disappointing season, but I know they'll be back mm-hmm. thanks to uh, the genius of counsel and Lorenzo Kane. Low Kane. <laughs> I don't even know is Kane even on the team anymore. I don't even know who's on the Milwaukee Brewers anymore. <laughs> to be honest, that might be why you're losing your bets, Beef. You don't even yeah, know the roster. Yeah. I was I I, re- I received uh, I've just been receiving bad information. Yeah, he's right now he's a free agent. I just Googled him. Nope. Yeah. He got designated for assignment <laughs> in June. <laughs> and B was, <laughs> B was betting. I was still betting on the Brewers. <laughs> Damn it. Yeah, that's why Franklin Sampson said it. He, yeah. He's only going to say something that has some meaning to it. When Franklin Sampson is like E.F. Hutton, mm-hmm. uh, when Franklin Sampson talks, people listen. Exactly. Back. All right, people. I, I don't want to talk about your sordid gambling problem anymore. <laughs> Let's move on to your I recommend. All right. Can uh I think this is more of a continuation of uh what I um I talked about this, I think two weeks ago. Oh, I thought you were gonna recommend Lorenzo Kane's baseball career. Yeah, I was gonna recommend betting the house on Lorenzo <laughs> Kane. His glorious comeback. Yes. Um, no, I, uh, I'm still making my way through uh, Zen and the art of motorcycle. Oh, yeah. Events. And uh, so I'm about three quarters through. It's, it's kind of slowed down a bit. But um, so I'll like, it'll be like interesting. And then I'll be like rolling my eyes like, oh, my God, what are you talking about, Robert? Um, but then it's interesting and there's like a kind of a mystery behind the story as well. Like you're like, well, did this really happen to this narrator or is this like a made up character that he's projecting his past onto? Um, but he like ruminates on these like deep subjects, really deep subjects. Yeah. It gets a little deep for me sometimes, but it's like pretty serious questions about the universe and the world. And uh, he's a good writer. He's a good writer. And uh, I've gotten over my uh, dislike of him personally. Um, Just because I think you kind of settle in like, okay, you know, this character, you know, that he's pompous and considers himself to be a leading authority on all things. (laughs) 
uh, he's just, you know, he's a, he's an authority. He's an expert. Um, but he also is honest about like others reactions to him. Like, <laughs> like they ignored me. They ignored my genes. <laughs> so, you know, I guess points for, for him. You know, I try to talk to my son and he walks away from me. So again. he has some self-awareness. He does. He does. You can tell the guy is like, like. Oh, Beavitt says it's a fictionalized autobiography. Off the charts. Brilliant. Yeah, it's it's pretty. Yeah, you could tell like. It, it's, it's a weird kind of. Philosophical structure. fiction. Yeah. He's talking about like the, the, the what is the meaning of life and all kinds of weighty questions along those lines. And um, while describing his motorcycle trip, and now they're in the West and they're um, mountain climbing and he's ruminating on Zen, you know, he's getting into like a whole, he's doing religion and philosophy and um, classical learning versus romantic learning and rhetoric and logic and all these kinds of topics. So, like I said, sometimes, I mean, he writes stuff that I'm like, wow, that's more true than ever today. Other stuff, I'm like, I, I've been reading for three pages and I have no idea what the heck you're talking. <laughs> so, I think you need to call John Paxson for some insight. I will get a very bemused response from uh, John Paxson. So, but my opinion on the book has gone way up and uh, I'm almost finished. So, uh, listeners, if you've ever read this book, because I feel like everyone at least has uh, at least has the copy in their home and they're meaning to read it. I'd be curious in your in your take on the book. Um, uh, so if you have, let us know. We're on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram. Drop us a line. Mm-hmm. So that's my I recommend. All right. My I recommend, let me preface this a little bit. So, and I'm, I think I want to talk about this a little bit more at the end of the year when we do our best ofs. So there's so much TV out there. Yeah. So you listen to people about what they like. You, I mean, as long it, as far as I go, I read a lot of reviews too. So I might initially try to go to stuff that's critically acclaimed and that some of our friends really like. And sometimes there's something that people are raving about, and I, I'll, I'll give it a good try. And I'm like, is this ever going to get better? <laughs> yeah. And there's, I think, when we get to the end of the year, there's going to be a couple. That I'm going to talk about that won't make my best best that I've given a good effort. Yep. Like Shit's Creek. Do you know a lot of people who like Shit's Creek? I know a lot of people who like Shit's Creek. Have you watched it? I watched about half of the first season, and it was one of those where, like, I know I should get into this more, and I, for whatever reason, I was like, oh, I'll watch it and just never do. Uh, same thing with me i watched like five episodes uh, and i'm a big SETV fan so i love Catherine o'hara and yeah. eugene lovey that but it just never it never kicked in for me and, and nowadays you're like the five episodes that's enough i mean right. how much time do i have to give this series right and we'll, we'll talk about a little bit tonight too because we're also recording our podcast about the 50 greatest tv shows of all time and i have a I have something that relates to that. As decided by Rolling Stone, yes. So 
one of the series this year that everybody's been talking about is The Bear. Have you heard about The Bear? Oh, yeah. Have yeah. you watched it? Uh, a couple episodes, and I like it. Mm-hmm. And a factory person is in that show, Jose Manuel Cervantes. Oh, really? He's in that, yeah. Which episode? I think he's a recurring character. Um, not a major character, but he's in, he's, he's one of the uh, um, restaurant, he's like a worker. In, inside oh, really? That's great. That's great. Yeah. So yeah. I've probably seen him and I just didn't realize he was a factory guy. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that was one. I remember, I think in the summer, everybody was talking about it and I just, you know, I didn't, hadn't gotten to it. So I watched the first two episodes and I was like, that's eh, all right. But now I've watched two more and I love both of them. So now I'm in. Okay. And what's great is it's filmed in Chicago. Yep. The lead character is played by Jeremy Allen White, who I really liked on Shameless. I always thought Shameless should have just been him and Emmy Rossum. Because William Macy's character on Shameless, I was like, I don't, I don't want to listen to this guy at all. <laughs> right, right. But I really liked him as Lip on Shameless. Mm-hmm. And it's about this Italian beef place. But his character used to work for basically the finest restaurant in New York City. Right. So he's like this trained chef. But now he's working at his, it used to be his brother's restaurant, but his brother kills himself. So there's a whole lot going on. Yeah. It's a, it's not an hour long. It's like a half hour. Right. Well, that's what a lot of people were saying about it. It's very intense. And but I don't think every episode's intense. The one I just watched is kind of got more humor in it than the normal episodes. But the cast is really good. There's this guy, Ebon Moss Backrack. I'm probably not saying his name correctly. And he was on Girls for a season or two, and he played. Lena Dunham's boyfriend and his character in that is completely opposite of what he plays on this, which is great because you're like, oh, wow, this guy's, he did a complete 180. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, his character is just kind of this abrasive asshole guy. Yeah. But, but kind of funny though, but likable. And then there's, I guess, is, is the sous chef the person who tells people what to do? Is that what a sous chef is? I thought sous wrong. chef was the dessert guy. Maybe she's maybe it's a line like she's in charge of making things that are done. Yeah, and she's an actress I've never seen before, and uh, her name's Io Edaberry, and she's great. I mean, it's just a really, really good cast, and you f- it feels real, and it also gets you hungry because you could t- it's just the love of food is there. Yeah, one of the guys, another. All, I'm naming all these actors because I really like the performances. Lionel Boyce, another guy I've never seen him in anything else. He's he works in the kitchen, but he's also he wants to be like this pastry guy. Yeah. And the last episode I just watched, he's talking about making donuts, and you're just sitting there and you're like, I want a donut now. <laughs> and then he makes this beautiful cake, and everybody gets a piece at the end. All the people work there, and it's just it's just really cool so now i'm 100 in on this and i'm kind of glad because i want to be you know sometimes you want to be part of something like this because it's not like when we were growing up and you had three stations 
Right. So you're always going to talk about happy days or whatever the big shows were then. Now you, you can do whatever you want. And you can champion the show and, and root for it. Yeah. So, and our friend Rich Katowski is going to be in the episode. Excellent. I love Rich. I saw that because I was looking stuff up on IMDb about the show. I'm like, oh, he's going to be on it too. So that's great. We've got a wealth of great actors to choose from. Yeah, he's a good guy. So I like Rich. And Mick Napier and Sue Salvi from Annoyance Theater were in this episode I just watched. Yeah. I thought I would recognize them, and I'm like, oh, yeah, that's them. And this guy, Paul Grandi, who was at IO when I was at IO back then, he's been doing improv forever. And you know TJ, right? Do you know TJ? Yep. Jagodowski, who's mm-hmm. acknowledged as the best improviser in Chicago. He says Paul Grandi is the best improviser in Chicago. Hmm. So all three of them, not TJ, but the two I mentioned in Paul Grandi were all on this last episode. So I love, I love seeing Chicago actors. Absolutely. Mick Napier is like smart as a whip. Yeah. So I'm, I'm excited to watch the rest of it. Yeah. And there's going to be a season two. So that's great. That's great. Yeah. It's good. Good for the city and good for television. Hopefully yeah. season two. Yeah. Film in Wicker Park. Yeah. It's work for some people we actually know. So it's great. Right. right. Uh, good one. Good mm-hmm. recommendation. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. We move on to uh, my never-ending segment. <laughs> Here we go. My immersion, <laughs> my soaking of music in Rolling Stones' top 500 albums of all time. You can rest assured this will be thorough. And uh, I don't like to, you know, make snap judgments. I ponder and ruminate and write and cross off. All right, enough. Uh, Album number 279, Nirvana, MTV Unplugged in New York. Um, I I love this record. Me too. And uh, I remember being very surprised by it Mm -hmm. when it came out. Because yeah. I was like, oh, this isn't like some other live thing. And my buddy uh, from college, um, who I was living with his girlfriend when I first moved out and he was um, traveling. And so he he kept all his CDs with uh, his girlfriend. And so I like listened to them all. And this was one of them. And uh, I put it on just, I don't even know what I was thinking. And I I kept coming back to it and back to it because it's just excellent. The, the versions of you know, Unplugged was so big at the time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Eric, I think Eric Clapton was, you know, huge. Um, he kind of made it big with his version of Layla and others. But I just thought, you know, they did versions of songs by Meat Puppets and David Bowie, the man who sold the world. Amazing version. Yeah, it's it's kind of incredible that he did a Bowie cover and did it so well. And did, and he was going somebody's that much of a icon and and to do something that special, pretty impressive. It's one of the, it's only one of three unplugged performances to be recorded without having to pause for any retakes. Mm. Um, so that just tells you. Yeah, he was in the zone. Pretty great. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so I, it, I, and I think it's well um, placed too. So to, I'll agree with 279. I don't think it should be higher or lower. No, I put it up higher. You put it up higher? Yeah, I really like this album. Well, that's incorrect. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you put it higher. That's pretty, um, so like top, like top 200 instead of top 300. Yeah, it, it's it's up pretty high in my favorites. Yeah. I'm not going to tell you where, but Ooh. why don't you move on to the next one? I'm, I'm curious where I put it. Suspense. Um, yeah. 278, Led Zeppelin, Houses of the Holy. We've talked about this on our Zeppelin podcast, which I encourage you to check out, featuring our good friend, Scott Oaken. Uh, love this album. Even though uh, it's got two songs that you hate the most. Yeah. Um, I don't mind them so much. And it, there's incredible songs on here. Um, the Rain Song, Over the Hills and Far Away. The Ocean is ridiculous. Um, so um, I know you don't like Dancing Days. I don't mind. <laughs> you know... Robert Plant is texting me. I am waving the wand of maturity with that reaction. You really are. The the wand of maturity is like uh, (laughs) glowing right now. You're wielding it with power. Um, No, I think this is, uh, I'm glad to see this on here. And um, I'd probably put this a little higher um, because I, I, when I was a teen, I like, this was always in the, in the tape deck. but uh, and I wondered if I would like it as much in my 40s and 50s, but I do. Um, so I put it, I'd put it higher than 278. Um, album 277, Alicia Keys, The Diary of Alicia Keys. What's your take on Alicia Keys? I like, I, I think she's really talented. I actually like her a lot. I, I don't really like when she talks on her records, though. Yeah, yeah. That she likes to do that a little too much. Right. Uh I like Alicia Keys. I just don't understand. Like people are like, she is amazing. And uh I, I don't think she's any better than say Charday or you know uh Anita Baker. So so I don't I I don't I think maybe because she was so young when she started, maybe it's that. I don't know. Could be. I mean, but I like her. I do too. I, I do would. Too. I, I'm with you though. I wouldn't say she's better than Charday or Anita Baker, but she has she has a lot of stuff I like. I just think she's a tad overrated. That's my. Yeah, I can see that. That's my take. Uh, album two seventy six, The Benz, Radiohead. I think this is the first time Radiohead appears. Um, I, when this album came out, I was like, this album rules. And it was always on the jukebox at Simon's Tavern on Clark Street in the Andersonville neighborhood. And uh, I loved fake plastic trees. I just loved it all. Um, But on, um, I feel like uh, it hasn't aged well. Um, and I just think it's still like kind of in their pop music, uh, arena and, and some of their other more adventurous stuff I like better now. So 
I think the Benz was the one I liked a lot when I did my review of Rolling Stone top 500 10 years ago. Yes, yes. And yeah, because I like High and Dry a lot. I like Fake. Yeah, I like Fake Plastic Trees is a great song. Great song. Somebody just did a cover of that that was really good. I forgot who. So I think that um, I it still makes that my top 500 for like nostalgia's sake, but I think it's like like in the like lower like you know 460 450 i'd put it there not this high oh kelly clarkson of all people did a cover of it oh that's weird it's good though is it yeah to check it out Mm -hmm. um my last album is number 275 is curtis mayfield um curtis and that's the name of the album and it's awesome yeah um my favorite uh, is, of course, Move On Up, um, which is just awesome. It's a, it's a total, like, uh, kind of an anthem, really. Um, and uh, and you know what I like about his albums, too, is that the lyrics are really good. They're powerful, mm-hmm. very topical. Mm-hmm. Um, there's another... Uh, like, essential 70s really is. I mean, he kind of was ahead of the game because his stuff with the impressions. Did you like his stuff with the impressions? I I don't know a lot of it, but I like it. What I do know. I recommend um this here's a mini I recommend and that's the best of the impressions. It sounds very Motowny, but they're Chicago guys. Mm-hmm. And um and uh that's really good. Sounds like a kind of a Motown record and there's another guy in the impressions that was really, he's also gone on and had a, had a successful solo career. Um, but anyway, um, there's another song called uh, don't worry if there's a hell below, we're all going to go. <laughs> I love that song. Yeah, I think that was the theme to the HBO show. The name of it is eluding me, but it was, you hear it James everywhere. Franco. It was about it was about the porn industry, Maggie Gyllenhaal. Yeah. It's everywhere. That song. It's very cinematic. And that's what I like the most about his songs. Like you can, you can like, they're like visually, like they're like great background. And he like, so he really had mastered the sound of the 60s, but then was a huge pioneer of the sound of the 70s as well. So I I I would actually put this higher. Um, I think it's awesome. I, to me, this is like top 150 for sure. But yeah, he's one, Curtis Mayfield's one of those guys you listen to and you're like, I need to listen to more James. I mean, uh, more Curtis Mayfield. And it, his death was so tragic, too. Yeah, yeah awful. Awful. The yeah. Deuce. That was that was the show. The, the Deuce, right. right. The show that I have to finish one of, one of these years. I'll, I'm, I'm so close to being halfway done. I will finish and then die on my deathbed. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, on to my 500 favorites. Here we go. Much better than Rolling Stones. Yes. And again, for the Diamond listeners, I have brought each CD. I know Beav is eagerly awaiting this. I am on my... um... I'm on the edge of my seat. I don't. 
ready to learn about bands I have never heard of. Beef surprised me with his enjoyment of Uncle Tupelo, so I'm still recovering from that. (laughs) My number 470 is Illinois by Sufjan Stevens. Yes. It's funny yeah, though, on the cover. I, it says, I said yes because I have heard of this album. Oh, you have heard it? Yes. Sufjan Stevens invites you to come on feel the Illinois. <laughs> so you're hoping that it's all quiet, quiet, quiet riot covers, but it's not. That was my initial hope. <laughs> this is the best reviewed album of 2005. It was huge. Critical Darling. Oh, yeah. Made best of decade lists. Compared to Neil Young and The Cure, which I don't agree with. No. Also compared to Nick Drake. I think Nick Drake's a better comparison. I see it. But not musically Nick Drakey, but not as downbeat as Nick Drake is. And it said Death Cab for Cutie? Maybe. I think people are just trying to find something to compare it to, but it's it's like classical. There's so many classical elements to it. Mm-hmm. And it's like a history of Illinois <laughs> that he kind of bends to what he <laughs> wants it to be. Yeah. And if you listen to this album, like decent. Oh, yeah, I tried. I mean, everyone's like, oh, it's, it's a masterpiece. I like it. I don't want to call it a masterpiece, but I do like it. Mm -hmm. What's well, Laura, of course, is all over it because he's a classically trained oboist. Right, right. And um like I said, it's it's really different. I think that's why you put it on and it it's not an album for me at least that you, you get tired of. Not that I think it's a great album. I think it's a good album. And, but one thing I discovered. So he's got one song called John Wayne Gacy Jr. And they interviewed him about it. And he said, we're all capable of what Gacy did. Yeah. Like, okay. All right. Yes. We all have our that's dark side. I would that's, love that's to. That's going a little too far. Axe up, chop up people and put them in my basement. Yeah, like sexually assault people and murder them. I don't know about that. No oh, man. I mean, I I kind of get what he's what he means, but I was like, okay, all right, Sufjan, take a step back. <laughs> Doesn't he do all his other albums in like other states too? Like he names? No, albums. he he only did two. Oh, okay. And he said it was a joke because I guess he made an announcement. I'm gonna do all fifty. Yeah, but he's like, I wasn't serious. But he did too. Illinois was the second one. Okay. And then I think he did one other state, a couple songs, but he, he was like, I'm not serious. I'm not doing all 50 states. And he had an album that came out in 2015 that I also like. Terry and Lowell. I think that one's pretty good too. So, like your, so what like do you think? Kind of mellow. Do you, you just think it's okay? or? Yeah, I thought it just never grabbed me to be honest i thought that it was definitely original i felt like it was definitely original yeah and 
but I just, I, I, you know, I think the death cab for cutie is kind of a good, I just wanted like more like melodic hooks. It was sort of like kind of, I don't see the cure Neil Young comparison. Not at all. At all. I don't understand that. I think she, well, the song I'm going to quote from Chicago, which is my first song, I think that kind of has a hook to it. though. A little bit. Yep. A little bit. Yeah. And what you said, that's why the critics like it. Because if you're listening to albums all the time and then you put this on, it's different. That's why I think sometimes critics like something. No doubt. You're just like a movie. If you're watching, 60 movies in a year and then something comes on even if it's not the greatest movie but there's something different about it you might like it more than someone who doesn't go as often like i said i give them points for originality no doubt about it yeah well i like it more than you anyways yes from chicago we had our mindset all things know all things know you had to find it all things go all things go Illinois Sufjan Stevens. Number four. My next one. That's number 470. 470. Yeah. Goes along with last week. It's our friend Jay Farrar again. It Look is- at you. You are Mr. Uh, Uncle Tupelo and Uncle Tupelo uh, alums. Okama and the Melody of Riot. I don't know this one. Sunbolt came out in 2005. Okay. I. Th- See, I think what what happened was I got into Wilco like late 90s, late 90s. So then I explored other Tweety things like Uncle Tupelo. Yep. And I gave this Sunvolt album a a try. Mm -hmm. And I hadn't listened to it in a long time. But I, I, I like it. And I listened to it a lot, I think, when I got it way back. 2005. I probably got it when it came out. And Jay Farrar is, <laughs> he comes across as a difficult kind of artist. One oh of the God. reviews, and this is a favorable review, says he has a nearly Amish unwillingness to change. <laughs> <laughs> he does. I mean, it's so true. Like, I mean, he kind of like, you know what you're going to get from a Jay Farrar, you know, Sunbolt, Uncle Tupelo. Like, you just, he's consistent, which yeah. sometimes that's, like, good and sometimes not so good. Yeah, and it's uh, Alt Country. And Okama is Woody Guthrie's hometown. And he's influenced by Dylan, Graham Parsons. And... I guess Sunvolt had, I don't really know the other Sunvolt albums, but they came out in the 90s. This one has an entirely new lineup, which also isn't a sign of someone who uh, people want to work with. Like, <laughs> all right, we're Sunvolt, but it's me and all these new people. <laughs> He's one of those guys that, like, you know, I am Sunvolt, even though like the lineups keep changing. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's, which was more common, you know. It happens more than, than than you think. It's basically his Uncle Tupelo songs, but as Sunbolt. Right. So you'd, you'd probably like it. You know, I I bought a couple of Sunbolt that not that one. And yeah. I, I liked it, you know, I, but I thought like the, 
the way that I like Jay Farrar is like, he's like a refreshing kind of counterpoint to Jeff Tweedy's mm-hmm. stuff, which was sort of like, eh, is all right. Oh, is it? It is and, it? Uh, but then I bet that Jay <laughs> Farrar would hit and I'd be like, oh, this is really good. Um, so, but then when I listened to like all, it was all Jay Farrar all the time. I don't know. Um, yeah. It was, I liked him. I, I, yeah. I, I think you'd probably like this one. I'll check it out. And my favorite song on the album is The World Waits for You. In this darkest hour, a brave face will break soon. The world waits for you, Beave. The world waits for you. Wait for me, world. Wait for me, Torrance, to place bets on the Milwaukee Brewers to win the World Series. I mean, the <laughs> Philadelphia Phillies to win the World Series. Number 468 is Firecracker. <laughs> Lisa <laughs> Yes, the darling of the Reality Bites soundtrack. Oh, Lisa. I remember when Lisa Loeb was unstoppable. Yeah. She was everywhere. This, this album did pretty well. Yeah. I don't know if you're familiar with it. Are you at all? No. Do you know the song I Do? I don't think so. That the only one good. I knew by Lisa Loeb was Stay. You don't even, you don't know. Oh, wow. Okay. This guy, like I said, really? I kind of disappeared from top 40 radio in the 90s. Um, well, it's not, I mean, it had one hit. It one hit. I do hit number 17. And Let's Forget About It, another song on the album, was released as a single. Didn't do that great. Mm-hmm. Like I said, it got nominated for Best Engineered Album, I think because it's so, it's so clearly produced. Mm-hmm. And her voice sounds great. Um, it's it's pretty mellow. There's only one song that's there's a song called Split Second that's almost kind of a rocker, and it's the second to last song on the album. Okay. And um but like I said, most of it's most of it's pretty mellow and about re- relationships and, and things like that. I do is pretty up tempo. I like that song a lot. That's the first song in the album. Yeah. And that was the one that was a hit. Um, but she like, I think people thought she was gonna be really big after like reality bites. Yeah. And she's like always kind of on the periphery of things. Like she was remember she had a I think she had a show with Dweezil Zappa. Yes. And uh she showed up on she showed up on some TV show recently, randomly. <laughs> so she's still around. Sure. But uh if you're looking for something, if you like her voice and everything, I'd say I would recommend this album for, for people. Well, you know, you know, it seems like you like her voice. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um what uh so that was put out in 97. 97. Long yeah. time ago. And uh, it got good reviews. Well, I read a, I read a few reviews. Me and my staff stayed up late. Oh, boy. <laughs> Against their will. Well, one of the complaints was this, that Split Second is the only song that seems to have a lot of 
oomph to it. Yeah. That was one complaint. And one complaint's always unnecessarily moody. I'm like, well, I don't feel like that's a valid claim. Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of nitpicking about it. And I think she's she feels kind of people that this reputation of her is kind of alternative, but she's really not that alternative. Her stuff's more mainstream, I think. Because I think people are like, oh, she's like this quirky, you know, with the glasses. and Right. I and did the, yeah, the short shorts. So I did the song. Or short shorts and underwear on her albums. <laughs> not, not on this one. Oh, yeah, she is. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> I, I'm going to say she's in short shorts. I did, I did that song in the, for the uh, movie where... Ethan Hawke gets the girl, even though he's a complete asshole. <laughs> that was me. Anyway, that's enough. <laughs> Lisa Loeb. You know, everybody feels this way sometimes. Everybody feels this way. And I do. You can't hear it, but I do. You can't hear it, Steve, but I do. Was she uh, <laughs> Was she um, uh, dating Dweezil Zappa or just working with him? And she might have been married to him. Oh, she's married to Dweezil Zappa. I don't know if she still is or was she dating? Was. Let me find uh, out. Well, I'll start talking about the next one. While you're looking, I do want to say that uh, she, she had another song, We Could Still Belong Together, that was on the soundtrack to Legally Blonde. Oh, yeah. So she was a big. Oh, no. She just did a show with um, Dweezil Zappa. She's actually married to producer Rowie Hershkovitz, Steve. Rowie Hershkovitz. Your favorite, Rowie Hershkovitz. Rowie Hershkovitz used to be my bookie until uh, he moved on to musical produ- production. And here's another one that's a good segue from last week when we talked about new metal, struggling with the definition of new metal. Yes, yes. This one's more rap metal. Mm-hmm. And it's hybrid theory, Lincoln Park. Oh, <laughs> and this came out. In, this is their debut. Came out in two thousand. This is the biggest debut album of the twenty first century. Still, twelve times platinum. Unbelievable. And the critics loved it, which I was surprised by because. When you look back on that era, what comes to mind? You think of bands like Creed and Limp Biscuit, who just yes. got trashed, not just by critics, just by our friends, too. <laughs> yes. And what do you think of Creed? Creed? Yeah. I mean, uh, I'll have to send you the videos. Did I ever show you that video of Mick Jagger and David Bowie, where they're dancing in the streets, video was remixed and they're just singing, but there's no music and they're just kind of prancing. Yeah, you showed me that. (laughs) It's so funny. It makes me laugh all the time. So they did the same thing with Creed. And uh, so there's no, except you hear the guitar in the back, like just like, and then you hear them going, and that's just the entire. Yeah, I, I our producer, like... our producer, uh, and incredible sound engineer, uh, Declan Byer, who 
also loves Lincoln Park, loved Lincoln Park as a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, he uh, he feels the same way about Creed. He likes Creed, doesn't want to admit it. Our other friend, Scott Oaken, is an unabashed, just, you know, out yeah, of the I've seen Oaken defend some Creed stuff. I like I like the song One a lot. Mm-hmm. I feel but like you've heard like... Creed song, you've heard them all. That's my no, opinion. I think I think to me one's their best one. I think Dan Lappy liked that song too. Yeah, but uh, the problem with I think him is he just is an idiot. <laughs> I, oh, yeah, he's an idiot. Yes, that really hurt the uh, perception of Creed. I think because I think they're bashful the more because no because doubt of, about it because of him. Yes. It'd be like me not liking Metallica because I can't stand listening to their drummer talk. He's an idiot too. But I still like Metallica. I think that's probably, I was thinking about that. And I think that's a major part of my problem with the Red Hot Chili Peppers. I think they're all idiots. I don't think Flea's an idiot. Have you ever heard Flea in an interview? He doesn't seem like he's an idiot. You know, I have, fine. He's not an idiot. He, <laughs> he enables the idiots, which makes him an idiot. So he hangs out with idiots. He's like, he's like, you're a really smart guy. Why, why are you hanging out with these, these dirt bags? These- I'll lend you my, I haven't read them yet, but when I'm done reading my Lee and Anthony Kiedis autobiographies, yes, I will lend them to you. Apparently, Anthony- Star Tissue sells nonstop, Steve. That's Anthony Kiedis's. And Flea, his book was so popular, it took forever to come out in paperback. It's finally out in paperback now. Our friend uh, Mike Meredith, who was a big time factory guy and now lives in LA, says that Anthony Kiedis, like, he's one of these guys, like, as a celeb, like, you see him everywhere. Like, I'm trying to think of like a Chicago equivalent, like a Chicago celeb that you just saw all over the place. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, yeah, I saw, I, I can't think of a good off the top of my head, but you'd be like, oh, there's Anthony Kiedis at the farmer's market. Oh, there's Anthony Kiedis riding his motorcycle up Sunset Boulevard. Oh, yeah, there's Anthony Kiedis. He's, I mean, like the guy is everywhere, uh, apparently. <laughs> and um, so maybe he's a good guy. I think he's a jack. Yeah. Anyway, got off on a tangent about the Red Hot Chili Peppers. I just had to bring that. I went and Limp Biscuit because Fred Durst, also a moron. Oh, a total moron. But I like, I like, I like one, maybe the one Limp Biscuit song. But I think they're all kind of lumped in like that. I don't have a problem with L- Lincoln Park, though. Yeah, Lincoln, <laughs> our good friend, Robert Criscow, gave it a two-star honorable mention review, which is high praise from him, and said something along the lines of, the young people know, or something ridiculous like that. I think it was like, I don't understand this, but it's selling like hotcakes, and I don't want to be left out, so, okay. I don't want to sound like an out-of-touch old man. Yeah, so great. Lincoln Park. Yeah. I mean, Darby described it as they're just yelling. Yes. She came in the basement while I was listening to it. <laughs> She's like, this is just yelling. So Declan had an interesting take on them because he has ADHD and also Asperger's. Mm-hmm. And he said that they, their whole sound, their whole approach is kind of like, he, he said it's kind of like how I like how I feel in my head. Really? Like, you know, 
like kind of like I'm I'm talking and there's all this thing and I just want to scream ah. and get it out. And interesting. Uh, and that's that's a big reason why he liked that. He said, I just can't help it. You know, I just want to yeah. I just want to yell. Does he like all their stuff or Lincoln Park? Yeah. Uh he did. He liked uh I, I I'm I'd have to ask um what how he feels about them now, but he really mm-hmm. liked uh Meteora. Uh-huh. Which I think it was their second record. Which yeah, the the biggest third. There's the three. Third well, actually, this song, this album was pretty huge, but like three of the main ones: "Crawling," "Runaway," and in the end, and the end was so popular it made like the mainstream top forty and number two. It almost hit number one. Yeah, that's how I, big this album was. He went through a major, major meteora phase. Yeah. Where it was playing all the time. Uh-huh. Yeah. So yeah, Crawling won a Grammy. Best hard rock performance. Yeah. And I feel like they're Rage Against the Machine light. Yeah, I mean, some of the, for the most part, critical acclaim, but the couple complaints about it is the lyrics. They could they could tend to be a little high school-y, the lyrics. Which I get. But there's a lot of energy to it, for sure. Yeah, but there's a lot of energy to it, and when it came out, it was it was different. It's huge, and yeah, um, I I actually feel like I like the Stained album better than this one though. When I I put this one up higher because I would probably listen to this one more. That's how I'm trying to do this. Yep. But I think the Stained one held up better for me. Yeah, I, I I can't say I'm a Lincoln Park fan. Yeah, it's because you tried so hard and got so far, but in the end, Beeve, it doesn't even matter. Yes, I had to fall to love it all, but in the end, it doesn't even matter. It doesn't even matter. Were uh, lyrics that define a generation. Right. My final one is our good friend. Paul McCartney. Oh, McCartney makes his first uh, appearance. Nope, second. Wait, what was, what was he before? Flaming Pie. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, I second. really enjoyed listening to Driving Rain again. I think this is some of his best singing and some of the best music. I just don't think the lyrics are that great. Yeah. But I listened to it a couple times over the weekend. And I, I feel like I want to listen to it again. It's it's really good. It's just not, I mean, just the name Driving Rain, that's not exactly something that's going to make you go, oh, this is going to be <laughs> the finest and lyrical. <laughs> but again, like I said, he's he's in great voice and the music is is catchy and heartfelt and this is the heather album basically right and it came out right i didn't realize i knew he he recorded freedom right after september 11th but he was sitting on a plane in new york city when it happened and he could see it happen did you know that i did not know that he was sitting on a runway and saw 
trade towers get hit. Whew. That's just crazy. And that's when this, you know, this album came out in 2001. Yeah. And the sales were kind of disappointing. It only hit number 26 on the charts. And I don't know. I don't really know why, because I think this is this is one of his better albums. I, I obviously me and you both love Paul McCartney, so maybe I'm not the best one to ask why this didn't do as well. I uh, and I've just I've been looking it up while you were talking, and and it did confirm like they basically um, it was like yeah they got great reviews. But also, it was sort of like he halted pressing, like the whole uh, kind of like machine of driving rain was halted because he wanted to put out freedom, right? Um, you know, as a as a hidden track, and so you know that could be one reason. Um, you know, I think that. Um, but like I said, I mean, I think McCartney's, like I say, his voice is awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, on this record. And uh, I really like it. And so it's a kind of, yeah, it definitely is a kind of a mystery that uh, why it didn't do well at all. I would put it on right now, Beef. I really enjoyed it. It's, it's kind of like doing the Rolling Stone Top 500, even though these are albums I know, but some of them I might not have listened to in 10 years or whatever. Yeah, it's fun to put them on and say, do I still like them? Or yeah. Not? And I mean, pretty much every album on this list I'm doing, I've listened to a lot. Yeah. I try to, I mean, the ones that are, when we get further up, those are ones I've listened to by a million times. Right, right, right. Something like this, like Driving Rain, I've listened to a good amount. But I'm very happy that I like it this much still. So it holds up? Probably even more than I remember. Yeah. How much I liked it. Right. Because so I think in my head, I'm like, well, this album's not, you know, he's singing about the rain. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Where in my head, I was like, well, yeah, I think I liked it, but maybe not. I like the rain too. That much. But but if I would have listened to it before I did the list, it might be up higher. Because mm. why don't we drive in the rain, Beef? Well, Straight to the eye of a hurricane. Go for a ride in the driving rain. You were driving in the rain when Jazz 32 almost uh, <laughs> bought it. Uh, what a way to close out. Yeah. Good callback, Beef. That's what I do. You know, full circle on the Jag bags. Um, well, we want to thank you, everyone. You, wait, real quick, Beef. Oh. A couple more things at McCartney. This yeah, album. Do you like the song Freedom? And, you know, I think that it got trashed a lot, but I like it. I think that all the nine, I think I lumped them with all the nine 11 tribute kind of songs. Like they're well-meaning, but I just didn't think any of them really hit the mark. Like I wanted to. Well, it's hard. It's hard. No, but I I mean, but isn't there some context to it though? He was sitting on a runway watching it happen. Absolutely. So I feel like he felt like I have to respond to this. No doubt. Yeah. No doubt. And I What's think, your um, favorite song on this album? That's a great question. Um, well, I really liked 
I really like From a Lover to a Friend. Yeah, that's that's mine. From a Lover to a Friend and Driving Rain are my two favorites. And I think I, I like Tiny Bubble because it reminds me of a Beatles. Yeah, that's like, really good, too. That's, kind of a that's one I kind of forgot about. Um, And <laughs> I mean, Rinse the Raindrops, the last one, that's mm-hmm. like the 10 minute version. I mean, it's pretty good. It's all good. It's all pretty good. good. I underrated it in my mind, even though I'm a huge fan. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's his late masterpiece. You know, like I was thinking like, oh, this is going to be a masterpiece, especially after Linda died. Mm -hmm. I had hopes like, oh, this is going to be his masterpiece. Yeah. Um, But not yet. I think if it was lyrically stronger, maybe it would hit that height. I think his masterpiece came comes later after driving rain and we'll keep you in suspense. <laughs> Jag bag listeners. Mm. Because there's that one's on there. there. I'm going to have to look now. Beef. That I think is his man. It's, well, it comes oh, close after to this, huh? Yes. Oh, I think I know which one it is, but I don't think I agree with you. Oh, well okay. then I, then your understanding of Sir Paul has been called into serious <laughs> question. And Ringo agrees. Well, I will have to live with that piece. Because Ringo and I meet for tea <laughs> quite a bit. He okay. and I are lockstep on this. But I know you have tea with um, Yoko. So, you know. Uh... Actually, Yoko and I play cribbage. Cribbage? Yeah. I heard she cheats. She does. <laughs> you oh. let it go. You let it slide. You know, oh, you're, Actually, you're there's the, a couple. There's a couple of his, I think, that you like a lot that are after that. You're the bigger person. There are, they didn't, there are. One of them didn't make it because I haven't listened to it enough, but I do think is really good. And the other one, I don't think I agree with you. The suspense just grows. Oh, I could. Well, let's just talk about it real quick. Are you talking about? Chaos and creation in the backyard or new? I'm talking about chaos and creation in the backyard. Yeah, I'm, I don't, I'm, I'm, I don't agree on that one. That's his. Like, it, Linda is dead, and I am sad, and I am married to a horrible person. Album. <laughs> like, uh, what happened to my life? Like, it was going great, and now this is like, oh, it's awful. I think that one's a little too mellow. He's vulnerable. He's sad. I do like Fine Line, though. Uh, that album is all sad McCartney. It's like he, McCartney is always sunny and upbeat. And, yeah. And that is not. That's why I really think it's like. Yeah. That's why I, I like really New better. better. New's really between good. Between the eyes. Well, New. But there is one even later than that that will come on my list that I love. Oh. Ultimate McCartney. Is that the Kisses from the Bathroom Window? No, or, uh, that album. I don't like that album at all. No, me neither. It's like it's like a requirement. You have to do like an old timey, yeah, songs in my youth. Anyway, well, this has been a mammoth <laughs> jag bag. Got away from us. Uh, so <laughs> we want to really thank you for listening. <laughs> you have gained so much knowledge tonight from oh, yeah. Lincoln Tactful. Park. From Lincoln Park to Curtis Mayfield to Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance, 
to Justin Fields. We truly have covered it all. Yep. And Andy Avalos. So we want to thank you. We won't keep you too long. Visit us on, please subscribe to us. We're available wherever fine podcasts are found. You know, we're on social media. Go visit us there. Buy a t-shirt. When you're ready to listen, put a little jag bags in your ear.